0: Hello, everybody. It's Dave Neal, stand up comic and host of Bachelor Nation News. I've got all of your updates from the Bachelor world. Last night was Bachelorette Charities, third week of the season. We'll have a fresh and unique recap for you here and some other entertaining news on today's Bachelor Rush Hour. All right, we're moving it. We're grooving it. And on this day, July 11th, 2023, we've got some history to get to. 1914 was the Major League Baseball debut of Babe Ruth. That's right, George Herman, Babe Ruth Jr., one of the world's most well-known professional baseball players, started his Major League Baseball career with the Boston Red Sox. And how about this? On July 11th, 1804, a duel between two leading American politicians claims the life of one, U.S. Vice President Aaron Burr and former Secretary of the Treasury Alexander Hamilton ended a lifelong feud with a duel. Hamilton was... Fatally wounded and died the next day. Oh, spoiler alert for anyone who didn't get that far in history class. Spoiler Hamilton was fatally wounded. The funny part of that story is, as I was reading it, I was like, Oh, I wonder who wins. I don't know how this ends. All right, no more duels playing out in the modern world, although maybe that wouldn't be a bad idea just to go back to the old dual system. Alright, wait, well, you know, sort a good old fashioned blunt sword fight, if you ask me. Uh, all right, so let's get into it. So many stories to get to, a lot of petty grievances. Brad Pitt accused of looting assets, acting like petulant child in an Angelina Jolie winery lawsuit. So it's really a, a he said, she said at this point. We've got Angelina Jolie claiming he, you know, uh, you know, is draining all the assets of the, uh, of the sort of chateau, French mansion turned winery that they have. He's claiming she didn't offer to sell him the winery in the first place. And then she sold it to a guy who runs the Stoli Group, which is a Russian vodka and beverage company, right? I don't know who's on the right side of this story, but it is ugly. And uh, boy, you hate to see it. I mean, they got kids together. Can they figure this out? Maybe not. We'll have to see. We've got some strikes looming. SAG-AFTRA prepares Hollywood publicists for strike. As we know, the Directors Guild of America, and maybe this isn't big in your world, but every time I drive by Melrose or into the Valley, you see the strikes happening. They've been picketing for a while now. Will SAG-AFTRA join them? SAG-AFTRA's national board has the option to call a strike if the AMPTP, which is the producers' union, won't agree on a deal that bolsters performers' careers and ensures their profession remains one that can support a dignified livelihood, leadership wrote to the PR agencies ahead of the meeting. So we don't know if we're going to go on strike. I say we, I am a member of SAG. So if we go on strike, I'll be out there picketing with them. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot of issues going on in the world that we live in, in the entertainment world, uh, you know, in in, in part dealing with artificial intelligence. Sarah Silverman is suing OpenAI and Meta, of course, that's Facebook, for copyright infringement. The lawsuits allege that companies trained their AI models on books without permission. Yeah, artificial intelligence scans libraries of different books to understand how humans write, and then it does it for us. So um, there, there is there is going to be a very interesting uh, set of lawsuits that come out from authors that say any, uh, any of the content that comes from ChatGPT or that comes from OpenAI or from Meta, it's Infringing on my copyright, if it uses my works to then train itself how to think, you know, which of course that's what happens with real humans, right? You get inspired from different people, but copyright laws exist to protect creators so that they have the equity to create. If you have everyone's just going to steal from everybody else, no one's going to do the creating. So we'll keep our eye on that story and see if there's any legs. Uh, for uh, for Sarah Silverman to stand on there, Britney Spears has a memoir, and they set the release date for October. It's called *The Woman in Me*. Uh, Britney Spears is telling her story in her own words, and this time it's not going to come via a social media rant. She's finished her book, and it's due out this fall. Her memoir, titled *The Woman in Me*, is set to be released October 24th, and she's already taking pre-orders for the highly anticipated tell-all. It's a brave and astonishingly moving story about freedom, fame, motherhood, survival, faith, and hope coming October 24th. Very interesting for all of our Britney Spears fans out there. And a story that we got uh, started on yesterday, we covered this on our channel here, the Jonah Hill story. So Jonah Hill's ex... To this in, in this moment, I mean, we read it on the Patreon. If you're live with us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Neal. She's released all of the text messages. I mean, she screen grabbed everything. She saved them in a private folder to, to make sure that Jonah couldn't find it. And now she's sharing with the world how controlling he has been. Well, Bethany Frankel calls Jonah Hill a low-grade dick and slams the X for releasing the text. You know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, she shouldn't have released the text messages. But then there's a lot of people saying, well, who cares what she should or shouldn't have done? The fact is, is he's absolutely in the wrong here. And my audience, having read some of your comments, is I don't want to say split down the middle. I think about 20% of my audience kind of feels like she shouldn't have released the text messages, but it's like, it's also her story to tell too. So either way, here's what Bethany Frankel has to say.
1: Okay. We're going to fight about Jonah Hill. What the hell is going on? So here's the thing. My perspective is the following. I did the tonight show with Jay Leno and Jonah Hill was the first guest and he was a low grade dick. Like He was put upon (laughs) and kind of treated me like. Should
0: we call our audience low grade dicks? Hey, it's Dave Neal with my low grade dicks here, LGD.
1: Better than. And just, I felt like a loser and the nobody that I was. So that's what I'm walking into this as.
0: Still. And by the way, I have yet to hear anyone defending Jonah Hill. Just about everyone that's talked, and again, whenever stories like this come out, I always go, "Oh, whenever there's always a story, oh, so so such and such celebrity was a real a hole." It's like, well, did you run up to them at the airport? Usually, I take the side of the celebrity because no one knows what they go through. But in this case, it feels like it feels like nobody has defended Jonah Hill.
1: These texts seem crazy, and there are texts that I've sent to people and that people have sent to me that would seem nuts. In a vacuum. And I want to know from you where the line is in what texts and phone calls should be shared. In the past, Mel Gibson's crazy phone call that his ex shared, Alec Baldwin with his daughter, that crazy. Uh,
0: I think the problem that exists with celebrity culture is we put celebrities uh, on a pedestal. And then when there's a divorce that happens or a breakup, the non-celebrity person doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because there's a celebrity involved. And I I have some situations that are a little closer to home regarding this because I've seen divorces happen where one person is more notable in the community than the other and they're thought of as as better than. And in this case, I believe Sarah Brady tried to not out Jonah by name, but everyone knew who she was talking about. I think the cat was out of the bag. Conversation
1: was shared. Um, A lot was shared with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And until they got into court, everyone was team Amber. So I think it's tricky to be reading texts. Some people might say they may not want their girlfriend wearing bathing suits and posing and sexual poses or sexy poses or hanging out with a lot of male friends, surfing, etc. So I don't know the whole story, and I only have read little snippets and headlines. But if you're in a relationship with someone for one year, our text's free game, like fair game, has he abused her in a way that she's just a cry for help and she needs help and she will not be silenced anymore. Cause They both seem a little nuts. Like, this is kind of crazy. I want to hear what you think.
0: Well, I'll tell you what I think there, Bethany Frankel from Real Housewives of who knows where. I'll say this. Yeah, she does come off a little unhinged in a sense, but that's because she was controlled. She was controlled in her relationship. We're not talking about, see, Amber and Johnny, there was things being thrown, severed hands, bottles, cocaine, there was drug abuse, there was all these different issues. In this case we're looking at two people texting assuming the texts aren't fabricated where where Jonah Hill clearly says these are my boundaries but what other therapists are kind of are explaining here is that Jonah Hill can't weaponize these therapy terms for his benefit his boundary cannot be controlling her and i got a lot of people that were like well but Jonah Hill if he doesn't want to date some bimbo in a bikini that's fine and it's like well He liked her enough to date her. Like she didn't just become a bikini model. She was a surfer who wears bikinis while she surfs. She already did that. He liked that when he pursued her. So it really came down to more control and him having his insecurity. And it's like, Jonah, telling her to take the bikini photos down doesn't help with your insecurity dealing with your insecurity. I mean, it's just a Band-Aid on a bigger wound. We'll have to see if he comments on it. I do feel bad for him in a sense because, I mean, talk about being put on blast, but it's like, I don't know. In some cases, it's like, is that what you need to kind of figure it out and realize you're in the wrong here? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. All this talk is making me hungry, though, and luckily we've got our sponsor for the week, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you. Bring more flavor to your table this summer with Green Chef's wholesome, elevated recipes. And guess what? You might not have known this. We had HelloFresh as a sponsor. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh. Yes, that's right. They've teamed up and with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands and now my listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount with me. That's right. Go to greenchef.com slash rush hour 50 and use code rush hour 50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. That is our special deal for you. If you use that code, it'll let Green Chef know how hungry you guys are, and maybe they'll keep sending us more deals, more sponsorships, and all that. So we appreciate Green Chef there. Again, greenchef.com slash Rush Hour 50. I'll have a link to that in the comment section in the description below. All right. And we've had people asking about Jamie Foxx. We know he was healing. He uh, had an issue, was uh, hospitalized. And uh, now we've got a friend of his saying, look, not everything is for social media. Jamie Foxx, you know, there were rumors that he had died and it was cloned. I mean, it's just insane what people will believe out there. They'll literally believe anything if it sounds like somebody's out to get you. Well, Jamie Foxx is back in the public eye three months after his hospitalization and DJ Envy thinks the Oscar winner played it smart by not feeding social media daily updates while he recovered. TMZ Hip Hop caught up with the Breakfast Club co-host Tuesday in New York City, and he applauded Jamie Foxx for not bending to public pressure to respond to fans who've been rabid for any and every detail of his illness and his healing process. All right, let's get to what he had to say.
1: Jamie Foxx! Yes. We just, you know, just now are seeing him for the first time in months were you relieved you know like i'm not sure if you know jamie personally but i know you were like wow jamie is alive and well where has he been like
0: i mean i think jamie did what he was supposed to do i think a lot of times we're so into social media and so into what people think and we have to be the first to respond but i think jamie was healing i mean he was rehabbing whatever happened with jamie we don't know but it's just good to see the brother out it's good to see him on a yacht it's good to see him enjoying life because the way they made it sound at one time that that It was almost over for Jamie. So the fact that he's out and about and enjoying life is a great thing. And I think we all need to see how he did that on social media. He didn't tell nobody anything on social media. He just kind of did his own thing. And when he wanted to heal and tell the world, he did. So salute to Jamie. Can't wait to get him back on The Breakfast Club. So. I agree. I mean, there's just different levels of celebrity. There's a level of celebrity where you cannot share with your social media and still be fine. But then there's that lower level like we have in the bachelor world where if you don't share stuff on social media, you'll probably lose your audience, which is your livelihood. He's obviously got a a, a, a ton of money and he's got a ton of resources. So he doesn't need to uh, sort of play the social media card while he's in recovery. All right. I'm going to get to my bachelorette thoughts from last night's episode week three, right after this word from our sponsor. So, as far as the recap that I made on The Bachelorette on my YouTube channel, that's where I kind of go and give you all of my thoughts, you know, off the cuff, this and that. I'm not going to do that here as I kind of flirt with the different ways to connect with my podcast audience. It doesn't feel necessarily... Like, I want to give you guys a unique thought since making my recap hours later, you know, how did I feel like this show was going and this and that. And honestly... Week three, you get into this thing that happens with the Bachelorette and the Bachelor, where you get the initial hype from week one, which we didn't have any crazy week one things going on, and then you slowly work into developing the love story. It's it's kind of like a feature film where you have to have that incredible opening. You have to especially in today's world with Netflix. You have to capture your audience. It used to be you could have a three-minute opening shot that's got this beautiful montage of a guy biking through the city. I'm talking about, uh, you know, whatever whatever the movie is, right? And in today's world, no, people can just turn the channel. They can turn the channel on the movie. You don't have the benefit of the doubt there. So the show has to provide us that what we call a save the cat moment. And in the save the cat moment, it's from a book called Save the Cat, you need to have a moment where we fall in love with the lead and we root for them and we're invested in their life. And is in and, and what was Charity's save the cat moment? Well, we saw a little bit of heartbreak from her last season on the bachelor. So we can relive that. We saw her relationship with her brother and we see her, you know, but the show doesn't necessarily have like, it doesn't have that moment that had Becca Kufrin who her save the cat moment, Becca Kufrin was getting rejected by, um, you know, getting rejected by Ari when it came to Claire Crowley, We had her big blow up with Yosef. Who couldn't root for Claire Crowley after Yosef? So we look and wonder what that moment will be. We haven't quite found it yet. We're obviously rooting for charity. But as far as villains go, this is week three. Brayden is kind of being played out to be a villain. I think they have a greater chance of making him a villain than they did, say, Logan Palmer right? Our friend Logan. They try to make him out to be a villain in the past. Same thing with Thomas. They kind of made out him to be a villain, but I don't think too many people, although Thomas, a lot of people bought it. Uh, but what we're talking about is that early season villain, not the Gray Grippo end of season villain, the early season villain. Now, hey, Braden, he was first impression rose winner. He got the one-on-one date last night on The Bachelorette. He's getting tons of screen time. Uh, like I told you last time, I met him this past Sunday night when I did the roast of Katie Thurston. He was there. I talked to him briefly afterwards at the club. He doesn't really have... I don't think he's got much to do in The Bachelor world. Yesterday, he was told that Nick Vial didn't like him. and He says, I'm sorry. I don't know if I hurt this man. I don't know who that is. So clearly, he's just living in his own world, which is fantastic. I think that is the best way to go. I also think from the producer standpoint... They have the easiest chance to manipulate somebody who uh, who doesn't know all of the rules and how the show goes. And one of the rules is on the show, I hate to say it, but one of the rules is you just can't be honest because Brayden, the only thing he's guilty of is being honest and saying, look, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm nervous. I don't know if I can propose. And then Charity goes, but that's what you signed up for. And he goes, yes, I knew I signed up for it. But now that I'm living through it, it's kind of hitting me in a different way. And as you guys know, I've talked about this extensively. I am an idiot. I get duped. I believe people. I would not be a good de- detective. I would not be a good like vice principal. I just accept people for their word. So when Brayden says like, "Oh, you know, I'm feeling kind of weird," just because this is a new process to me, and he talks his way out of it, I believe him. But of course, you know, and maybe this is a gender thing. The ladies of the show um, have a more skeptical eye. Maybe they've dealt with this kind of behavior before. Let's go to our good friends Claire and Emma and. And listen to what they had to say. They have loved to see it the podcast and we love to hear it. Here are their thoughts. The title is Baskets of Red Flags on The Bachelorette.
1: This is what bothers me about Braden's whole approach is that it does sound like honesty and transparency, right? You're like, oh, he's like opening up to her, but it actually seems like this very carefully calculated way of lowering her expectations. I always just get a little like my hackles up a little bit when I see someone be like, I'm so into you, but I'm just worried I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. yeah, There is, uh, there's something about that that just feels like he's saying, I have permission to hurt you because I've told you I might do it. Rather it's, than it's being the, like, it's I I I'm r- no good for you, baby. <laughs> right, <laughs> you I'm not no good run. for you. You I'm don't want me, but like, yeah. Yeah, well, it's a setup. It's a setup exactly. for- you know i get to behave badly in the future because i've i've i exactly. told you yeah. i was this really good wholesome person who communicated everything up front and so now you're the problem because i told you that once
0: it's an interesting conversation and i don't disagree with what they're saying but I don't think it was calculated on his behalf because they said it's a calculated way to lower her expectations. I do think he's way too young for an engagement. So I don't think he's wrong there. Uh, That doesn't stop the producers from casting him on the show. I don't think he's any less serious than most of the guys that are on the show. But at the same time, I don't think he's got this nature in him that is vindictive saying, Oh, I told, I warned you. I wasn't really into it. I don't, think that's what the issue is. I think the issue is he's dealing with his jealousy because he does have feelings for her because he is dating her and his friends are too. And some people deal with that better than others. Some people can just compartmentalize and not think about her dating someone else, but he kind of has that moment where he goes, I think she's really into me. It's kind of like he needs that attention. Maybe again, we talked about this with Dr. Diane Strakowski on the, uh, you, on the YouTube channel, uh, driving with Dave, where she discussed, you know, anxious avoidant. I don't, I don't know the different personality types of, of uh, people that uh, have attachment issues, but it could, it could just be that that's what's playing out. Again, I could be completely wrong. Like I said, I'm not married. I'm not married to the counter argument that Claire and Emma are making. I just don't know if he's that bad. I think he's just more honest than some of the other people. And what does that get you? And of course, in other news, we had Charity dealing with Warwick and they had their sleepy date, which felt extremely edited to me, extremely edited to me um, that their date uh, was so sleepy. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's just not that charming. You know, some guys could talk for hours. I could go on one of those dates and talk for hours, and maybe there's plenty of women that wouldn't like that. They'd feel like I'm just annoying and I'm rambling, you know, like my wife. Uh, but then, yeah, you when you're filmed, you know, you got to give them content. And Warwick didn't really have much to show. Maybe he just wasn't that into charity. Maybe he's nervous. I don't know. I'm not here to apologize for all of these men. I just don't think there's a greater conspiracy. And, you know, when you look at Braden, people say, well, you know, Charity's brother warned her. And he's like, well, kind of, yeah, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get mad at Braden for being giddy that he was kissing with Charity. Some people like we I, I'm not willing to blame a guy who doesn't know if he can fall in love as fast as someone else might. And the show's lack of a success rate just shows us that you can't. Blame a guy like Braden for taking that side. I mean, imagine if I, okay, imagine if I had a submarine. I know this is sort of a rough comparison to make here. But imagine if that submarine only worked three times out of 21 times. How many people would want to get into that submarine? You'd go, you're out of your mind. I'm not going to that submarine. It fails 18 uh, out of 21 times. It's a horrible rate. Well, that's what The Bachelorette is. That's what The Bachelor, it is horrible. Now, on The Bachelor, you don't die if it fails. You just get go through a divorce or a breakup or whatever. But it is, it is what it is. And until the success rate goes up, we can't be speaking about the show and be like, how dare you doubt the process? You know, some Wizard of Oz man. How dare you not, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know, the show doesn't work. And that's okay, too. The show's not supposed to work. The show's supposed to get enough people to view it, get enough people to talk about it so that it can sell its ads and pay its bills. But we really did have a missed opportunity there with the Warwick Snooze Fest to have some sort of Starbucks commercial. Maybe this episode brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Grab a Dunkin' next time you're feeling tired on a one on one date. Um, but the whole like, oh, Warwick didn't scoop the ice cream out for me. It's like, I mean, obviously, Charity's well rounded. She's answering questions from the producers, they know it's not going well. Uh, Was this relationship doomed from the beginning? Probably. But let me tell you something. Objectively speaking, at least from a heterosexual position, uh, I think Warwick is beautiful. He's a very good looking. I mean, he looks gorgeous. I don't blame charity for going. He's beautiful. Let's see what else is there. And then when she kind of went beneath the surface, it just didn't work for her. It doesn't mean it wouldn't work for somebody else, but um, you know, better off that they found that out sooner than later. I would be interested to see Warwick on Bachelor in Paradise. And some people were saying, well, maybe they actually ran that date super late at night. Maybe they ran it at like 2 a.m. You know, they had they had that place locked down. So chances are it was whenever the amusement park closed. Say the amusement park closes at 11. They start filming at 12. It's at 4 a.m. They do this stupid date. Who knows? Maybe he was literally exhausted. Who knows? But in other news yesterday, we covered Katie Thurston going on FBoy Island, but we covered it on the podcast before it news broke that she released an actual uh, sort of um, Instagram viral moment here to announce the release. So here's what Katie Thurston had to say on Instagram. These F-Boys won't know what effing hit them. Hashtag f Island, hashtag the CW. Here's what she said. All right, Katie, you ready? Ready. F-Boy Island, season
1: three, take one. Wait, F-Boy Island? Are you
0: FBoy boy Island season three coming soon. So that was the announcement. Nikki Glaser, the host of F-Boy Island, said, what a get. See you soon. Susie Evans said, stop this cut is amazing. Bitch, Lorette, God bless this mess. Game of Roses said, oh, let's go. Jess Ambrose said, yes, yes, yes. And then Bachelor Data said, Elon Gale is a genius. This Bachelor crossover is everything F-Boy needs. The show is so freaking good. Can't wait for more people to watch. And that is the truth, folks. The truth is that anyone who's watched FY Island, the ratings have actually been pretty good. It obviously was unceremoniously released from HBO after their merger with Discovery after 2 seasons, but a lot of people said, "Well, this will get picked up somewhere," and then others are upset that it didn't get picked up by Hulu or Netflix because they wouldn't have to deal with the FCC laws. That even though I don't know what the FCC regulations are for cable new, cable TV, but it's not as it's it's more strict as far as what they can say or do versus if it was say HBO or Netflix. But either way, it looks like Katie Thurston is now filming. Uh, My thought is, I I don't know if I can say where they're filming, but I do believe it is in Southern California. So, you know, why they used to head down to Mexico when they can just shoot at a beach over here, I don't know. But they decided to keep it in Southern California, and she'll be with with two other women. I don't know who they are. If I get any insider info, I'll tell you. And the they'll have like twenty to thirty guys will show up, and they'll kind of team off. Like, which you know, I'm sure. The women will be diverse enough that there won't be three uh, you know, brunettes that play volleyball that kind of have the crass sense of humor that Katie has. There'll be a blonde. There'll be whatever. There'll be three different types of women, and there'll be a bunch of different types of men, and they'll pair up, and maybe they'll win some money. Maybe they won't, but either way, it's a pretty good business opportunity for Katie, if you ask me, because she gets to have a little bit more humor. She gets to kind of—it's re- almost like a redo. Like she didn't love how her season of the Bachelor turned out. Bachelorette, obviously, um, you know, she was exposed to a lot of good opportunities from that. But the audience did wasn't exactly uh, in in the same line of thinking that FY Island might be, which is a little bit more of an adult audience, which you know is is crazy to think about because with The Bachelor it's like how's that not an adult audience but you know there's purity culture and people that are like who's here for the right reasons and don't give yourself up and save it for the fantasy suite and all these thoughts whereas FBoy Island's more like all right let's just do some modern dating maybe we'll have sex maybe we won't who cares respect your body but have fun you know that type of deal. So maybe that'll be a better fit for her. We'll have to see how it all plays out. Well, look, we made it to the finish line. A lot of random stories, but I think that's what you want. Let me know. I'd love to hear your feedback. You know, I could have given you, I could have copy and pasted the same recap I did on YouTube, but I wanted to give you guys an original Uh, sort of audio-driven content just for you. Let me know if it's working. Let me know what you like or don't like or whatever. Leave me a review. Please keep it positive on the review, at least. Um, On Apple Podcasts, you can hit the follow button, the subscribe button, and share with your friends. All right, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll have plenty of content to get to tomorrow. I'll be breaking down some podcasts that are coming out and share my favorite moments with you. All over here, I've been Dave Neal, and this was Bachelor Rush Hour.